My name is Bobby Carello. Welcome to Studio 41, presented by Chime. If you're listening on audio, that does not matter to you. But if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the cozy confines that we call home. We're streaming in here every day, Monday through Friday, on twitch.tv slash Dallas Mavericks. But for the purposes of this conversation, I'm joined by three of my best friends in the whole wide world. Austin Garuya. Hello, Austin. Hello, Bobby. How are you today? Oh, I've never been better. You, you look great today. Love Thank the, you. Love the beard. You as well, from what I can see from the arms <laughs> in our way, I think you look good. So, uh, Brian Damaris, what's up, Brian? I could live in here. This is cozy. It is cozy. It's a little warm sometimes, but you know what? It feels good right now. Absolutely. Yeah. And then Mike Marshall. Rolling four wide today. We are. I think it's the first time. The, uh, the last time us three, we three, the three of us were on a broadcast together, uh, Pre-season. We drafted Luka Doncic. Uh um, you and Austin. Not oh, Bobby. that's right. Yeah. We were at Not the uh, that bar. Yeah. yeah. Was I my Yeah, you were busy. Yeah, you were busy. Okay. That was so what's funny about that whole summer is you and I did a podcast. I think it was this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh live on the lottery. Yeah. At my house. Yeah. And that's when we all started drinking immediately because we dropped <laughs> yeah, from three pick. to five. Fifth pick, huh? And then right. we did the we did the live draft uh, coverage, uh-huh. and we were gambling on whether we were going to make the deal or not. Uh-huh. I, I think both you and I predicted that whatever yeah. it took, they were going to make the deal, and, yes. and they did, thankfully. Yeah. How? Uh, so if this is how bad. This is your I, fault. How is it my fault? Because yeah. last time we were together, we drafted Luca. Yeah, oh, we have great energy bad. here. Yeah. This is going to be good. Yeah. Hopefully. How late into the how late into the draft are we talking? Mavs on the clock. That you're thinking like, oh my god, this is. Uh, we're gonna be talking about. Yeah, Michael it was like Porter a couple Jr. minutes. Next it was right? like, yeah. like a couple minutes before the first pick. Like we yeah. were. It was because I think the first rumors even came out thirty minutes before the draft, and it was Caldwell Pope and all those guys were mm-hmm. involved. Or I think that was not Caldwell Pope. It Ken was Bazemore. Bazemore. Mm-hmm. The other K. Um, but it was then that fell apart. So yeah, it, it was really pretty quickly. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, hopefully uh, we can create something almost as good as Luca's career <laughs> in the next hour and a half or so. Again, uh, it's not good. It is your fault. All right. Well, I'm under a lot of pressure then, Mike. I'm, I'm already sweating. Uh, Brian, in other podcast news, uh, I believe starting next week, you're going to be doing something in here as well. Monday, Take That With You lives exclusively right here yeah. on Studio 41. Wahoo. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, It'll also be on YouTube, I believe, going mm-hmm. forward. We'll have a video version, so it's free for everybody starting Monday. Subscribe now. Take that with you, D-A-T-W-I-T. Take that with you. Search for it. You'll find it and get on board. We wanted to get free for the stretch run, and we are happy to be living right here at Studio 41. Heck just yeah, that is you and Mark. Don't tell the Patreon people. Just let them keep paying you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, follow all myself. We talk a lot. We do over an hour every week, and uh, we do have special guests. We do do bonus episodes. We'll probably even do uh, probably last year we did one after every playoff game, so who knows? We may do throw more in. So, yeah, it, there's going to be a ton going on. So, Austin, you were at the Mavs game the other night to watch them play the Lakers. 
think oh. the three of us were as well. If that was your first time watching the Mavs all season, do you think that based on that performance, you would think they're the best team in the NBA? You think they're better than they already are? Because that was a complete and utter kind of annihilation. Yeah. Uh, but pretty emblematic of how they've been playing the last couple months. I would think they were like the 2017 Warriors, the way they played against the Lakers. But I would also think the Lakers are maybe one of the worst teams in the history of basketball. That was, <laughs> was quite the performance. And it was fun to see Luka put on a show. He's, he was a great showman, all, especially during the first half. And I think when Luka really gets going, he likes to put on a show. And he likes to, you could see that he was just trying stuff in the second half. And he was kind of just trying to embarrass them in the second half. And you would think that this team is already a 65-win team if you would, were basing it solely on that performance. They haven't really had a lot of, this season or even kind of going into last season, they haven't had a lot of like no-doubters like start to finish, wire to wire, where they're up like 15 points before even the other team calls timeout. Like it just feels kind of nice to be bored by how in control of a game that they've been really for the last couple of weeks. And I think they're like the Utah Get some game, work Houston. done. Yeah, exactly. Just like go in, <laughs> Second half. play way better than the other team and just kind of chill down the stretch. That's been basically, they've been doing that for like a month straight now. We have not seen that much this season. Yeah. Well, the first quarters, right, is, uh, is Lucas specialty as of late. And I think that's a, sign of maturity number one if we just want to kind of fold into talking about his season and what we've learned is I mean that guy goes out there and he he destroys in first quarters and to do that game after game and lead the NBA in first quarter scoring I don't think that's an accident I don't think that's he's just going out there doing his normal thing I think he goes out there and he says I want to step on these guys throat early on make them change their defense by the time the second quarter starts and I think that's really cool I think it's a nice trick that you can have up your sleeve any given night when you can go out there and say, okay, this dude's going to drop 15 on us. We have to completely, what we worked on, what we talked about yesterday and this morning in shoot around, roll it up, throw it away because he's nuked us. He and Dwight Powell have, have ruined our defensive scheme thus far. Yeah. And, and he, they've made the switch and I can't remember when they made the switch. It was like maybe in early February to him playing all the first quarters mm -hmm. and then taking that rest for the first six minutes, the second and, first five to six, four to six minutes of the fourth. Um, and they've kind of settled on that, and that is to get those first quarters really going hot. And he's playing at an elite level since he came back from COVID and the injury, and he's in better condition. And when he does that, it just opens up everything for everybody else because his ability to just be a magnet for the defense, where literally when he's driving into the paint, it's five legs are in there. Everybody has at least one leg of the defense in the paint, which means – your corners are wide open. You know, your guy's above the break. You've got Powell for a vertical option. You guys broke down on Twitch, I believe, the the pick and roll and why that's so deadly. And it's kind of, and you remember this from Harden and Compella, you know, in the Rockets, how, how just pick your poison that is for the defense because he's you have to come over the pick now because he shoots that step back three so well. So then when he's through there, that guy's behind him. Mm-hmm. The center's got to stay and cover Luka because he can hit that floater in mid-range mm -hmm. game. If you're coming off the shooters, then the ball's going immediately outside. And what's the number one indication of whether if an outside shot's going to go in? It's how far the defender is. Well, we're getting open looks now. Mm -hmm. because there's no bad decision. There's no bad decision. And it makes it so hard for the defense to, to guard it because, again, whatever you do, there's a response to it. And so that's really the key to unlocking everything that's happening. That's why Bullock's hitting these threes and Reggie and, and uh, Dorian and all these guys are hitting at such a high rate because they're just getting great looks because of 
the the peak performance, and it starts with his ability to hit the three, meaning you have to come up with the picks, and just that lob game that we saw even last night against Cleveland, I mean, that's unlocking everything. Mm-hmm. So we're sitting here on March 31st, and the Mavs are in third place, tied with the Warriors, but they're ahead based on tiebreaker. Two games ahead of Denver, two and a half games ahead of Utah. The Jazz are reeling. They just blew a 25-point lead the other night to the Clippers. And so, I mean, of all four of those teams, the Mavs are certainly in the best form. You can make the case that the only two teams playing better than them right now are also in their own conference. But uh, finishing third is really good because you get to avoid the best one. You get to avoid Phoenix until the conference finals if you can. They have a positive matchup or at least a neutral matchup against Memphis based on how they've played this season. But to say that the Mavs are in third place – when three years or three years ago, three years ago they were definitely not in first place. All right, <laughs> <laughs> three months ago uh, on New Year's Eve they were fresh off a Chemezi Metu buzzer beater. They were in eighth place in the West, two games under 500. The whole roster was either injured or had COVID, pretty much. Uh, and then they make one trade for Spencer Dinwiddie and Luca, you know, comes back and sheds maybe a few pounds and stuff, and the rest is history. Where did that happen? How did that happen? Are the Mavs actually the third best team in the West? Like, what is going on? Because on on the one hand, it feels like they are very good. There's a lot of data that will tell us they're very good. On the other hand, it's like, well, all these other teams are struggling because of X, Y, and Z. Like, there's so many valid excuses, but the Mavs had their own too, and after all the excuses are said and done, here they are in third place. Like, are they just better than everybody else? I think you have to start with Jason Kidd. I think he's really the reason why they've really turned around their season. Um, I think specific on the defensive end, their game plans for each and every game are individualized and they give the other team's best player a real hassle each and every night. And I think teams aren't really prepared to have those individual game plans for each and every game. So they catch a lot of teams off guard and that's probably been able to defend so well um, over the last couple of months. And then also the KP trade, I think, helped kind of solidify all the roles, I think. Uh, Luca playing with a role man for the majority of the game really helps simplify the offense, helps simplify his decision making. Also, he's in better shape, shooting the ball better. Um, but I really think it does start with Kidd and his defensive adjustments and the way that he's really gotten them to buy in on the defensive end and in the game plan specifically. I think they've they really, really frazzled a lot of teams um, on a game-to-game basis. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how it translates to the postseason. It seems like in the regular season you're doing more – let's just play our game, let them play their game, and we'll see who's better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think you're right. It's like he is really coaching the heck out of every single one of these games right now. Like, it feels like they've been in the playoffs for months. Yeah, we did a piece with Josh Green a couple weeks ago that'll probably come out this week or next week, and he said they prep for each game as if they lost the one before. That doesn't happen. He said, I've never been around a team like that, right? And, you know, Josh is young, and he <laughs> played in some good teams, though. But uh, it, just, that just doesn't happen. You don't prep for the next game, acting like you just got your butt beat. Teams don't do that. Over random Wednesday night in Cleveland. That's right. All right, let's uh, see if we can make more shots than these guys. No one get hurt. Yeah, let's just chill, just have a nice trip, get home by, you know, uh, midnight. And, you know, if we make more shots than them, which we should, we get off the bus, our team's better, then, you know, we'll call it a night. But Prepping for each game as if you lost one before, and that's that defensive edge, that's that grit that it takes. Um, but to your your overall question, I mean, they're going to win 50 games. I did not expect that. I I was not that high on this roster coming into... Were you into, coming into the season, or was it in December no. is when you were like, okay, I'm not... Well, maybe before any games have been played, and I thought like, okay, 
KP's healthy. Luca takes a step. Like, these guys are more solidified. But they really didn't do anything to the roster, right? Reggie for Seth is kind of the uh, – or for uh, – not Seth, uh, Josh Richardson, you know, which is the perpetual thing I thought we were going to do for the next seven years, which is, like, just find a off guard to play with, uh, with Luca. But, I mean, you added Reggie instead of Josh Richardson. And that's kind of, like, all you did during the offseason. So coming into the season, I don't think fans had – very high expectations. I think it was like, okay, get six, seven seed um, and see how it shakes out in the playoffs and see who's playing better at that time. But it is in part that the Western Conference is down. So you can, you know, beat up on some of these teams. Utah's falling apart. Everyone's had their issues, right? So I'm not going to say it's entirely what we've done, but 95% of it, I think, is just this roster plays plays better together than the one we saw prior to the KP trade. And that's not a slide on KP. That's just how it is right now. The roles are solidified. You get Dwight out there for more minutes. And we always think about, like, how to build this super team and how do we win this championship with Luka. And I feel like people are always going, okay, get these two guys and level that up to that one guy. And then you've got three all-stars. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's the uh, get-rich-quick scheme, right? Like, how do I get this? How do I get these four quarters into a dollar? Yeah, just consolidate, consolidate, yeah. consolidate. Yeah, how do I get these two fives into a 10? And instead, what they've done is say, I want a bunch of two-way players and guys that can nuke one-on-one matchups along the perimeter and Jalen in the starting lineup, Spencer Dinwiddie. And then, obviously, what Doe and, and Reggie can do. And I think that's unlocked a lot. Like, we are indefensible at times. Third quarter last night. Um, stretches of games, you can't do anything against our offense because Luka's just making the right decision over and over, and there's not a bad choice out there for him. And the thing I don't know where it came from and I still can't quite explain is the defense, right? Yeah. Like, I need somebody to, like, explain it to me like a third grader. Like, like the talent on the roster I don't think is insanely different defensively, like man-to-man. But they're awesome. They're just awesome night in and night out. And I, I can't wrap my mind around it yet. I'm still kind of like recalibrating to the KP trade, right? And then when Luca came back, that first month or six weeks was not good for him. And I thought, oh, crap, we're going to have one of these seasons. Like, we're going to have a Luca struggles through and maybe he gets hurt. And it's going to be that kind of season. And, and, man, we're a 50-win team again, third in the West. Like, nobody wants to mess with us no. at all. No, we're trending. I think, you know, if you can honestly say Phoenix and we and are basically the only ones trending where you want it to be. You mentioned Memphis, but again, they don't have John Moran. I don't think that's sustainable. Boston just lost Robert Williams. So, you know, you hit the nail on the head with how they're preparing for games and that quote you mentioned from Josh, because, you know, when you're in a day in, day out grind of the regular season, you basically have a shoot around in the morning where you go over, here's what they do, five things they do offensively, a couple of defensive sets they run. These are all the left-handed players on their team. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it's it's very, I mean, it's 20 minutes, and then you kind of go shoot around and, and get loose, and you go home. That's your prep, usually. It, that's why playoffs are so different from regular season, because you're really not specifically game playing that much. You're just playing your game. Um, but you're right, and you're right, they're they're – doing specific game plans. 80% of the defense is the same from game to game, but that 20% is different, and it's always key to the, whoever the best player is on their team. It's that Belichick model, take away their best player. 
and you're going to win. That's what they did when Utah, when Gobert wasn't there. Well, we're going to take Mitchell out, hold him to 12 points. Their offense shuts down. And so I think that's a big key of it. And, and the defense really is what Sean Sweeney and Jay Kidd have brought in. Uh, and the scheme they're running, getting to buy in communication-wise and getting them to hustle and play, and Luca's bought in. And so now they're not a victim of being a make-or-miss league anymore. If their shot's not falling in the past, they would just slump their shoulders because they knew there's no way they're going to win the game. Now they know they can rely on their defense to pull it out. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a real good thing to see because there are games that they've won recently where they haven't shot the ball well or they haven't shot the ball well for a large part of the game, but they've been able to stay in it and be a top-10 defense, which I don't think any of us expected. You're right, with the, essentially mm-hmm. the same personnel. Um, but when you look at what they've done since the trade, I think it has just, like you say, unlocked everybody into their proper roles. I think it was always this idea of playing Porzingis in the post was always clunky to me. We talked about it when we all mm-hmm. sat pregame with Followell and did a pod. that mm-hmm. It was going to clog the lane up because you want to play it with Powell. Well, Powell can't stretch, so he's in there. Now KP's in there. Now there's two defenders, and now Luca wants to drive, and there's nowhere for him to go, and it just didn't work. And, but that's the way KP wanted to play. I understand them wanting to try that, to mm-hmm. get him engaged both on and off the court, bring that communication and, and trust built. But now that he's not there, you're seeing, and, it, and it's fundamentally different because it's not Luca and four shooters like we've seen in the past. That you can defend at the playoffs because you stay home on the shooters and, and all that. Now we have three playmakers and two shooters, or three playmakers, a shooter, and a vertical guy. Mm-hmm. And that makes it unstoppable, like right. you were talking about. That's a fundamentally different way that they're playing. And I think the best example of it was in that Boston game in the clutch time that they played. Mm-hmm. That's what you want to see in the playoffs. Yep. That's fundamentally different than what's bogged down for them in the past. And I think that's what's exciting going forward. Because if you're one-dimensional, even if your one dimension is awesome, like, even if you're one dimension... You is can like, game plan. That's what yeah, the playoffs are all about. Like, the best offensive player in the league. Like, whenever Luke is at his peak, he's the best. You know, he's the best player with the ball in his hands in the NBA. Uh, you can still game plan for that. Right. And you can wear him down over the course of four quarters, especially in the fourth quarter. Even last season against the Clippers, he was brilliant throughout the entire series, but in the fourth quarter, sometimes he would kind of fall off. But now you can lean on Brunson. Now you can lean on Dinwiddie in particular. And Austin, you know, I know that these guys obviously love Dinwiddie, but... Uh, Outside of Locked On Mavs, you've kind of retired from the pod game, uh, your recent <laughs> appearance on Locked On. Uh, Dinwiddie thoughts? Did you like Dinwiddie in the summer? I kind of liked Dinwiddie in the summer, but then once the season started, I was like, okay, I'm not sure if I like Dinwiddie anymore. And then now I'm like, I would, I would you know, die for Spencer. Yeah, like I actually was a huge Dinwiddie fan in the summer. I actually really wanted them to sign him. And so, But obviously his Washington tenure didn't go so great. And so I was a little skeptical when, when the trade initially happened, but I have been fully won over. He, I think what really works for him is that he's like 80% Luka, and so they don't have to change a lot of things when he comes to the game, and he can do a lot of things that Luka can, Luka can do as far as creating uh, free throws and creating corner threes. And I think that's a difference between him and Brunson is that he can get to the free throw line and he can generate more looks at the basket and also generate more looks for corner shooters than, than Brunson can, so he gives him a different element and also he's such a big playmaker he's six five six six and so he also replicates Luca's size initially essentially um and so I've been a huge fan of what he's brought I think he also gives him a different element in the playoffs is having another shot creator and having another shot creator in crunch time I think a lot of times when we had KP 
even though he can create his own shot, you have to get him in his exact spots. And it was always a little clunky for him um, to get his own shot off. And I think for Spencer, especially when they're playing five out, it's been really easy for him to get the shots that he wants. He looks really comfortable in his role. I think they've really clearly defined his role um, in a way that's really helped him um, come along. And I think it's just a perfect fit for him. So I think he'll be here for the next few years. You think of next few years, do you think then when he's here to stay? I think he's here to stay. I, I mean, I. I don't know, unless you're trading for an all-star caliber guard, I don't know who you would trade him for unless you're getting a like legitimate all-star guard because he's the perfect guard to compliment Luka and to compliment Brunson as well. It's not easy to play with Luka because you know, he's going to want the ball a lot and you want the ball in his hands a lot. Yeah. But you want somebody that can also do it on occasion. I think earlier in the KP era, it was you know 95% Luka having the ball in his hands. And you don't want to go to 50-50. You don't want to go back when it was Dennis Smith, but mm -hmm. you want to go maybe to 85 or you know 87% and have somebody who can handle it. And Spencer can do that. He can play off the ball, and he can play with the ball. And Brunson can too. And so having that right fit is good. And I think, yes, he's going to be here unless, you're right, they can make a significant all-star type upgrade, which would, he would be the cost of that. But outside of that, what what is he not giving you that you need? You know, he's... Yeah. He's driving the basket. He gets fouls. He penetrates. He play makes. He can play off the ball. Uh, I, I mean, he's been an absolute godsend. And I listen. I was one of the few people. I think Mark Stein, myself, maybe Bob Sturm were. I mean, I called it a home run 30 minutes after the trade. I was one of the few that stood on the mountain and said, "This is a great deal," because I knew what the landscape was. I knew what KP's real value was, and I knew that you had to make a move. You had to make three decisions: Can you win with him as your second best player? If not, when are you going to make the move? Go ahead and do it now. And third, what are you going to get for him? And I think, yeah, you bought low, but that's how the market works. You bought, you buy low. He's coming off an injury. He was in a place he didn't fit. So I believed in it. Obviously, it's still early and things could change, but um, I, I just think it's it's worked out wonderfully. And I think even the Mavs are surprised at how wonderfully it's worked as a player. You know, obviously financially it works splitting those contracts into two, but having him there um, has just been been great. And he has credited Kid with simplifying things for him and making it, you know, user-friendly for him to fit in and do what he does offensively. Mm -hmm. He seems like bought yeah. in, like he doesn't mind coming off the bench. That's also right. important, too. Like, not only, hey, you're not going to have the ball in your hands all the time, but you're also, like, you were starting in Washington, not doing that anymore. You know, no. you're coming off the bench here. A lot of Jason Terry vibes, quite honestly, of yeah. guys on a bad team in the Eastern Conference, and you kind of write them off because that's what we do as NBA fandom. You're just like... As Western uh, Conference elitists. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like, it's either you're good, like you're the best player on earth, or you suck, right? Like, and he's coming off an ACL tear. So the beginning of his season was going to be slow. Um, you know, I think he said they offered him to play, like, just a couple minutes a game, and he was like, no, like, I don't want to do that. Like, let's play the normal amount of minutes, and, you know, I'm going to struggle initially, but it's going to be fine second half of the season. And, uh, you know, as he recovers, he – gets back to what made Spencer Dinwiddie special with the Nets, right? And so new location, new guy. I think I learned this trick whenever Vince Carter came here, and you can read a lot of stuff about Vince Carter uh, from different people. Bill Simmons definitely has some words about... Nick Van Exel, same thing in the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. You, you come here, and whatever you had with you that you were dragging with you on the plane uh, before you came to Dallas, like, I don't care right now. You're here, you're on a better team, you're in a legit organization, and we have expectations. So if you are into that and you like winning and you like competing and trying our damnedest to win titles, then you're going to fit in very well. 
and Spencer has done that. And it's it's amazing to watch. Number one, just like the game winning shots are really really cool, right? Like we needed a guy that could do that, that had the, you know, uh, bonus, Mike. Yeah, 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 yeah. Minerals uh, mm. to do that every once in a while and knock down those shots and want to take that shot. Um, but also, it makes the game so simple when Jalen's out there, where you have Luca, Jalen, or Spencer out there at all times, because you can create these one-on-one matchups above the break. All three of those guys are going to win one-on-one matchups 70-plus percent of the time. Luca's probably 80-something. Jalen's probably like 75. Spencer's probably 70, 70, 75. And even watching him, when that trade happened, I was, of course, skeptical because guy decided to go to a team that probably wasn't going to compete. That's a red flag for me, right? Take more money to go to a team that's probably not going to compete. Weren't great uh, feedback loops coming from Washington at that time, right? Maybe he just didn't like playing with guys that were fine with losing. That's what I'm going to chalk it up to now, right? And seeing him here and how he plays with us is if you're the guy in the locker room and you're the veteran that wants to win and there's a bunch of guys that are worried about minutes and, you know, uh, all, the, all the extras in the league that can come along with being an NBA player, maybe he didn't like those guys. Um, and so I'm writing that off. Um, but he's been incredible, man. It's I, I can't tell you how close to Jason Terry he's getting in my – my mind, we'll see what happens in the playoffs. And obviously, Jet was here for a very long time, but it was the exact same scenario to me coming over from the Hawks. Guy that was, I was like, he just wants his shots. This isn't going to work. And uh, yeah, you just create these one on one matchups along the perimeter. And he couldn't finish the first 20 games. Even after the trade happened, we started watching film. And I'm like, oh my God, this guy is like just throwing stuff at the basket. And he kept trying this like scoop and under. And I'm like, this is going to be rough. This is not going to be great. But he's healthier. He doesn't miss whenever he attacks the basket. Like, where did that come from? Because that's, I mean, even back to Brooklyn, that's not the Spencer I remember. He was crafty. But, dude, he gets a foul call or he gets the ball where he wants to on every attack. And it's because it's the secondary one usually, right? The play's already been run. He's along the perimeter chopping up a one-on-one matchup against a scrambled defense. And if he can do that and keep doing this, Dude, he's going to be a legit problem in the playoffs for somebody. They're not going to they're going to go down their top 5 things and he might be 5 or down the list and he is going to destroy somebody in a playoff series. Another another team's bench in a playoff series. Having a 6-5 guy that can kind of approximate Luka stuff like you said that can yeah. finish at the basket, break guys down, they have the three options now is really good because you look down the list, okay, for the last 2 weeks it's all been like how do the Mavs match up with the Jazz? But you look down the list of the other teams they can play now, uh, there's more options in play. They can play Denver. They could maybe play Golden State, unlikely. But at this point, it's looking like Utah or Denver. Like I said, we've talked a lot about the Jazz. But one thing that the Jazz and the Nuggets have in common, they got the one bulky perimeter guy, like Royce O'Neal on the Jazz, Aaron Gordon on the Nuggets. And then it's like a lot of small guards. And, you know, we saw the Clippers basically neutralize Jalen Brunson last postseason by putting, like, Nick Batum, like the, like seven two wingspan guys on Jalen. Neither of those teams really have those guys, and they don't have the, the height or length to contend with Dinwiddie either, and Dinwiddie isn't bothered by length because he's like a six eight six nine wingspan guy himself. And so now I'm thinking, like, okay, not only is Luka going to win his matchup and not only is Luka going to be amazing, but do those teams have ways to take away – the second best player, the third okay, best player. Okay, so let's player? talk about this. Who and and I'm 
honestly, I'm kind of of two minds here. Who would you rather see, Denver or Utah? Because Denver, and I talked about this on Twitch with you guys Monday, and I talked about it on the broadcast Sunday, uh, Utah's collapsing in on itself. There's so much pressure there because of a number of factors. They have a new owner who wants to shake things up. Danny Ainge is now president of basketball operations, and we know he likes to make deals, and he's kind of waiting to do that. Dwayne Wade is mucking about in the front office. Uh, Mitchell and Gobert still hate each other. Gobert just yesterday talked about ball movement, ball movement again. That's a direct <laughs> shot at, Davion, at Donovan Mitchell. Um, Ingles, hurt and traded. Bogdanovich, key part of their playmaking and shooting. Hurt. We don't know when he'll be back. And oh, by the way, Quinn Snyder wants out and is probably going to leave at the end of the year because he sees this thing crumbling, either take a year off, go to the Lakers, go to the Spurs, wait Popovich out, something like that. So this is the last iteration of the Jazz as we know it if they flame out again. And that pressure, we're starting to see it collapse. They just lost a 24-point lead at the Clippers mm-hmm. the other night. So part of me says, okay, I want to play them because they are imploding. Mm-hmm. But we've lost 11 straight in Salt Lake. It's really hard to play there. You know, yes. who knows, right? If Bogdanovich comes back, that makes them better. Denver, they've got an MVP candidate. We don't have bigs that are really capable of guarding him that well, but they kind of don't have anything else. My information is that Murray and Porter are not coming back anytime soon. You're right, Gordon is really the primary on-ball defender on Luka, but I think he can handle that. So I don't know what to think. I'm kind of I'm not scared of either one, so I kind of don't care, but... I'd love to hear your thoughts on. Yeah, I want to hear more about Denver. I want to hear a little more about Denver. So, because like I said, we've talked about Utah quite a bit. So, what is before we kind of make our verdict? Like, maybe state the case: why Denver or why not Denver? Like, what what do they got going on outside of Jokic, who is probably the best player alive right now? I think playing Denver, you're just you're going to score 130 every single game. They have absolutely nobody that can guard Luca, Spencer, or Jalen Brunson. If you if you stick Aaron Gordon out there, he can only guard one of them. And Jokic is is a decent defender now. He's He can control the defensive paint, but he's really not anywhere close to Gobert as a rim protector. And I just think it's going to be very easy for them to rack up a lot of points. Honestly, I think they would beat Denver in five. I don't even think it would be a very wow. close series. Um, Jokic is amazing. He's maybe the best basketball player on earth, but I just don't think he can elevate um, that team to beat the Mavs in a playoff series. And I think it would be pretty easy for them to just, again, rack up 125 points every single game. And I think they can do enough on the defensive end. I think they can scheme, and they have enough defenders and enough uh, things that they can throw at Jokic to just at least make it a little more difficult for him. Um, and I just don't think – I don't think the Nuggets have any answers. If I'm the Nuggets, I'm like, what answers do I have for this offense? And it's it's nothing. I don't really know what adjustments, what what you could really do to really stop that offense. And I just, I just don't think they have any real legitimate answers for them in a playoff series. Yeah, I mean, I'd much rather play Utah, I think. I'd like both. Like, I think we can advance – no matter who we play in the first round, like Memphis is, would be very, uh, <laughs> very curious to me. Like I don't know how I feel about that quite yet because you know if they don't have Jaw, they win ninety percent of their games or whatever. <laughs> but uh, I, Utah, I I think they're at, they're asking for a way out of this thing. Like I watch that team and I watch how they play for most of the game, and I think that they are reaching for the lifeline. Like let me. Let me jump out of this thing. Very 2008 Mavs. Like, okay, we're, we're, yeah. we're going to have to make a change here yeah. at the end of this thing. Denver, I, you know, knowing that those guys probably won't come back, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., I still do fear Jokic 
his playoff ability to elevate guys around him. Does he get 15 assists in a game and four of them are to Bones Highland for three-pointers? Bones Highland scares me so <laughs> He's much. He's so good. I'm He's so afraid of Bones. I'm honestly He's so stinking good. Highland. Like, just diamond people up for open threes over and over. And not that we can't weather that and figure that out defensively, but, okay, he does that for a couple games and gets Dwight in foul trouble in a couple games. And now we're down on our big man depth chart, and we're like, uh-oh, like, this isn't great. I don't like any of these matchups all of a sudden. And, you know, he's just going, uh, you know, playing out of this world, scoring 30 and 15 dimes each game. And playoffs, you're not going to have back-to-back, so you're not going to, you know, worry about fatigue or things like that. It's, I think Jokic could elevate that roster to a level that I don't think Utah can get to anymore, quite honestly. I think they're. I think those days of Utah are, are done, and they're ready for them to be done. Yeah. Um, you saw how hard it was for them to just stay in games with us. Like Donovan Mitchell had to play like a superhero for certain possessions, just to get people open looks. And you know maybe the maybe they're just tired of it, and want the playoffs to start, and like it's a different team that reemerges. But from what I've seen, the evidence I've seen thus far is is Utah's trying to tap out. Denver has played extremely well, but I think they're killing themselves to try to get up to like the four or five, right? And so they're having to grind out games against everybody yes. right now. Yes. Everyone. And, you know, there's only one guy in that either one of those matchups or even all three of them, Memphis, Denver, or Utah, where I look at that roster and go, like, we might not have the best player in this thing. And that's, that's Jokic, right? So I'd, I'd like to avoid that and let somebody else do that dirty work if they can. And then. We'll see Memphis in the second round, guys, because the West is about as wide open as it can possibly be right now. You've got an unproven Memphis team that's the two seed. You've got Golden State that's got a rock, rock tied to their leg and they're falling down the standings. Utah, Denver in the 4-5, and then you get down there to Minnesota, right? Like that's When has the West ever looked like this? It, it just hasn't. There's no, there's no LeBron up there. There's no Lakers. There's no Clippers unless something weird happens in a first-round series um, and whoever, you know, gets out of that play-in uh, scenario. But this is as wide open to a Western Conference Finals as it might ever be. And, oh, by the way, the Clippers are going to be really good next year. Yeah. yeah. And, yep. you know, we'll see where LeBron, what he does. And so, yeah, you want to take advantage of it. And you're right. I think Phoenix is the only team that legitimately – you know, is the concern, obviously only 60-win team in the NBA, and you don't have to worry about them until the conference finals, and I'll mm-hmm. take my, you know, I'll take my chances then. If it is Mavs Nuggets, now you have a long time to try new things if something isn't working, but if it's Mavs Nuggets first round, game one, game is in Dallas, are you double-teaming Jokic and making other people beat you, or are you letting Jokic go for 50, the old Tim Duncan thing, and you're going to stay home and say, Will Barton, you're going to score seven points tonight. Monty Morris, you're going to get three open jump shots tonight. Are you staying home on everybody and letting Jokic pulverize you, or are you going to say literally anyone else is going to win this game except for Jokic? I think personally I would let Jokic go for 50 every single game. I don't think Kidd wants to do that. I think he'll probably end up doubling him and trying to make it difficult for him. But I think I would just you let Jokic just wear him out, just make him make him score 50 every single game and put him in every single pick and roll 
and by game three or game four, he's gonna he's gonna get tired out. And I think also I think it's easier to do that because none of their other guys are even remotely threats. I'm not scared of any of it. If you want to pass the ball to Austin Rivers, if you want to give the ball to Will Barton, if you want to give the ball to Monty Morris. Austin Rivers is a Mavs killer, dude. <laughs> Mavs I've watched killer. him do it in the playoffs before. <laughs> I'm like, be be my guest. Go ahead and try, but I'm I will just let Jokic go for 40, and he will. He will absolutely go for 45, go for 50. Mm. It would be kind of like that that old Mavs Sun series when we're Nash mm-hmm. went for 48 and they, and they lost. And I think that would be the easiest way to kind of just defend him and just put him in every pick and roll. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it's going to do that. He, I, I think yeah. he will. He he's so committed at taking away the best player, and and. But you're right. I, I think I'm not scared of anybody else. So if you do double him, you know, I'll take my chances with Bones Highland. But, and what, Austin but Rivers. what if the best player is Jokic passing? You know what I mean? Like passing. But to the other guys the have to kind of still. Do yeah. It, right. Yeah. Yeah. I just think I, whatever they decide, I'm at the point where I trust them. Yeah. Whatever kid and Sweeney say that's the right way to go, I'm like, yeah, hand me the sword. Let's run into that. Let's go battle. But I don't. To me, the the psychological effect of like no one else scoring at all and him having to kill himself to maybe drop forty for games one and two, I feel like that's pretty valuable. Um, I don't think that's what they're gonna do. I think they'll do a variety. They're not gonna they're not gonna do like just hey, no matter what, like come over here from weak side and you know uh, try and bully. Jokic out of the ball they'll, they'll switch it up they'll confuse him like I think they can figure out ways to confuse him um but I if I had the choice if it's one or the other if it's black or white then I'm letting that dude drop 50 and no one else is getting an open shot the entire series and you know what if you want to if you want to go nuclear and score 50 on us five four straight games to win a series congratulations bud like you're going to the second round but I don't. I don't think that can happen. I think the only downside to that scheme, though, is that I think Jokic can foul out Dwight Powell and, and Max. That's Probably. the that's the main easily. concern of the whole series is foul trouble on Powell. Yeah, because mm. if he goes out early, we got to get Maxi right. Otherwise, you're playing four or five offensively, and then that's a drop down. Well, you can say what it is defensively, but we just don't have enough bigs. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a Marquise Chris moment at some point <laughs> yeah. in that series. And I think that's kind of the downside to them losing Kali Stein is that he was kind of weird, oddly good at guarding Jokic one-on-one, mm-hmm. and not having his five fouls will be kind of crucial against Jokic. Yeah. You'll see, as much as we haven't seen him, you will see situational, and I mean five, six minutes of Boban or something like that mm-hmm. that, that yep. will come into play. Yeah, and minutes that Jokic, like, isn't physically capable of playing every minute of a game, those minutes that he's not out there, yeah. man, that plus minus would be insane for us, I think. I think we would just, that's where you chip away at it. Well, they did that earlier this year, a game in Dallas. They put Dorian mm-hmm. at the five for those minutes. That, yep. Then they'll do that absolutely again. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, that's, that's a, a follow-up. Whether they're playing, if they're playing Utah, even with Gobert on the floor, I could see them putting Finney at the five. Absolutely. Against Jokic, probably not, because that is that feels like you're really tempting fate. But how much, how much, how much juice do you think those lineups have? Dorian at the five, Josh Green at the five, non-big mm-hmm. at the five, and and I'm including Maxi as a big in this for the sake of this discussion. Mm-hmm. So like Dorian Green, heck, I mean Sterling Brown at the five. Like they could get real wacky. I think. I think those lineups have a lot of juice, and I think they've been saving them for the playoffs. I think mm-hmm. they've tra- they've trotted them out a few times, and they've done pretty well. And I think. Doran can really hold his own at the five against most bigs, especially if they play Gobert. Mm-hmm. And Gobert wants, honestly, I think Gobert does not want to see Dorian at the five. That's going to be a really bad time for him. He's not going to be able to dominate 
Dorian on the boards as much as he likes to think he could. Mm -hmm. And so I think they've been waiting to deploy those lineups in the playoffs, and they've played them just enough so they know how to play them. And I think Josh Green also at the five is something that can be viable for at least a few minutes in a couple of games in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it works really well against Gobert to spread him out, get him out of the paint, and open up the lanes. Offensively, the key is defensively, can you get enough rebounds and can you, you know, pack the interior enough to to play to play it effectively? So you can't do it for long stretches. But uh, I think that against Utah, it's really effective with Gobert in there to, to spread him out. Yeah, I think and that... you can switch everything defensively, which is poison for them on the offensive mm -hmm. end. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a that's a magic trick they can go to whenever. You get a four-point lead in the third quarter, and then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, those are the five now. What are you all going to do? What are you going to do about it, Rudy? Because, I mean, you know, I'm not in that locker room. I'm not a beat writer for the Jazz, but I think putting that guy in pressure situations right now or yeah. situations where his teammates have to cover for yeah, him. Yeah, it'll just yeah. combust. Like, I, I feel like that's a, probably a good bet. And I'll then even on the defensive end, you know, it's not like – he's a guy you feed in the post, right? Mm -hmm. He's a pick-and-roll guy. And I mentioned this on Twitch with you guys on Monday. You know, Donovan Mitchell's not exactly a floor general. He has six, count them, six, including the playoffs, double-digit assist games in mm -hmm. his career. So he looks for his own shot. That's why Rocco mm -hmm. Bear talks about ball movement, because yep. Mitchell just does this and puts it up and doesn't really, you know, mm -hmm. get anybody else involved. And, oh, by the way, there's no one else to get involved except for Clarkson when he's in the game. So yeah. They're, they're such a struggle offensively that they can't even take advantage of the fact that if you play small defense. They, they don't work when Mike Conley ages out. That roster yeah. just doesn't work. Yeah. And that's, that's happened this year. Like, he's one of my favorite players in the last, he just last decade. Anymore, yeah. He just, he just kind of aged out and isn't super effective. And that roster doesn't work that way. They have to have outside shooters. And now they lost Ingles and Bogdanovich. You know, sorry, but Hernan Gomez and Forrest and these guys just aren't cutting it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and now, I mean, the other thing is, too, as great as Gobert is, and make no mistake, he's still a, like, transformative defensive player. When it's Conley and Mitchell and Bogdanovich on the perimeter, there's only one Royce O'Neal, and all those other matchups are places you can attack. Mm -hmm. And if they go small, so no Dwight or no Maxi, or even if it's Maxi at the five and you just spread the floor out, you're yanking Gobert from the basket, and you're turning Jalen Brunson versus Mike Conley into a one-on-one. -on -one or Luca into Donovan Mitchell. We did a whole video on the Mavs' YouTube channel the other day. The Mavs targeted Conley the last time they yes. played the Jazz with no Gobert. They stopped with no Gobert, no Whiteside. They didn't have any bigs to attack, so they said, all right, let's attack the smalls. Utah was just switching everything, and it, it clogged things up in the first quarter, but then yeah. they figured it out and said, okay, who are we going to attack? And Luca's like, come on up. Yep, and that's how they did it. And that's, I mean, Utah and Denver both have ways to do it. Now, one thing Denver does whenever they play the Mavs, they'll, they'll blitz Luca a lot, force him to the sideline, but then it's just everyone's wide open from three. So it comes down to how often can you make threes, and I think we're all confident in this year's roster. But the one last thing about the Nuggets that I have is I think the one area that everyone kind of agrees they need to upgrade or shore up or add depth or whatever would be big, right? And if we go up against Jokic, we, meaning the four of us, uh, he would take turns destroying each of us. Uh, but if the, if the Mavs play the Nuggets... You know, it will become a referendum on the center position. <laughs> you know, the mm -hmm. Mavs kind of have like a bullpen, and the Nuggets have like the guy. And if Denver wins, or if it's a very tough series or whatever, then I think there will be very loud, like, got to add a big, got to add like a world-class big. You got to get your Shaq stopper. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to get your Jokic stopper. But kind of the counterpoint to that would be, all right, you want to stop Shaq, let's go sign Eric Dampier, let's give him a max contract. Oh, and then Shaq is now in the East. 
and we still have Eric Dampier for the next six years. <laughs> and so it's kind of like how how much moving forwards, fast forward, whatever happens in the playoffs, maybe the Mavs go 16-0 and win the championship. How much going into the summer, if you if you are of the mind that they need to upgrade big, how much of that is because you see what Jokic is doing and that Aiton is with Phoenix, that these teams do have good bigs, versus just with your own eyes, your own brain, you think they got to get better? Or do you even think they need to Let me to throw get a better? name at you. Rudy Gobert. Oh, wow. Ooh. Well, that's the... I mean, That's if they the start if they start blowing things up, yeah. are you guys would you make a move for him? Because I've heard the rumblings that he would love to play with Luca. Well, I cannot uh, get fined. So <laughs> no, no comment. I would love to see Rudy Gobert here. I think he would be amazing here playing next to Luca, and he would he would score 18 points a game off of just Luca giving him lobs, and he would really shore up the defense. I do think they do need an additional big man. I think that was my initial skepticism about the KP trade is that when I saw that trade happen, I thought they had a second trade lined up to bring in another mm -hmm. big man for depth because I just think, as much as I love Dwight and, and Max, I think they're great, I think that's just two bigs, and I think they do need a legitimate rim protector. Maybe not, you don't need to maybe spend max money on a guy, but if someone like Rudy Gobert, who's the best rim protector in basketball, was available, I think he'd be a great fit here, and whatever they have to do to get him, I think that would be uh, Yeah, and, and, and let's trend. put Gobert aside. I think you're right. I think the answer is some kind of mid-level type center. You know, yeah. somebody to play, you know, continue to start Dwight, but have somebody who can soak up some of those backup minutes. I, I don't know that you need to go get a, you know, starting caliber, big money kind of guy and trade pieces to get him or anything like that. Because, yeah, Mike, you got takes on contracts. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think – no matter what, they're going to add not starting caliber, but a quality big this offseason. Like, that's that's an obvious. But I think this roster is, or this front office has told you what they think about the center position, which is if it's not one of the top three centers in basketball, you can all name them. They're all making max, and they're all in, probably in the MVP running, right? Um, then we can cheat that position. And Dwight's kind of been perfect, right? Like super high activity, <laughs> lower salary allows us to spend other places. Like it's, I equate the center position in the NBA right now to like the running back position in football where front offices knowingly cheat that position thinking I'd rather have two or three guys, one of them's on a mid-level and one's, you know, uh, a $5 million player than $35 million. Or it, forty million. As much as Embiid and Jokic are dominating the MVP talk, it's still a wing league. Yeah, it's still a yeah. playmaking league. And I think you're right. I think if you're the salary cap era, you've got to. I'd much rather them focus on the outside and, and have capability inside. Mm -hmm. and yeah, because you can get in, you can get put in situations which Utah's about to get put in, where you need to be able to play different ways with your bigs. You need some options. You got to play different games depending on who your matchup is. They can't, right? They're going to. You can play those guys off the floor at key times. Absolutely, absolutely. That's what I'm talking about. You need you need different styles of bigs that you can roll out there and then be okay with that number two, right? And the KP trade tells me that they're buying in more into the philosophy of, okay, maybe cheat that center position and have this volume of guys. They're not there yet, right? Because this is move one of you know a longer plan, and. It is, I don't know, you're kind of doing a tightrope walk, only having Dwight and Maxie as your bigs and hoping that Marquise Chris gets, you know, into form um, as the season goes on. But I think they told you how they feel about the center position. 
and that that's the move piece. That's the variable. I need to have three, two to three guys that can play different ways. Um, this one center that makes $40 million and plays 30 minutes a night, nope. That's not what winning teams are doing, so we're good, unless it's the the rarest bird alive, which is Joel Embiid, which is, you know, those guys, Cat. Mm. Um, there's only a few of them that are actually worth that <laughs> second contract max as a center in the league. Yep, yeah. So going into the playoffs, you're going to be playing closer games, right? Going to come down late. Mavs have been dominant in the clutch since the trade. Um, very, very good. Like, they win all the time in the clutch since the thanks, since Spencer. in their last 14, something like yeah. that. And, and the thing is, like, almost all of their wins have been clutch wins. So, like, mm. al- almost every game is going down to the wire. But since that trade also, one thing that's kind of happened is defensive rebounding rate has gone way down. Defensive rating has gone way up, uh, which is not fantastic. So there's trade-offs as up well. Up the wrong direction. Yes, mm-hmm. correct. Up as in it has gotten higher. I looked at it like a week ago. They were worse. down to 19. They were last in defensive rebounding, last in steals yeah. since the trade. Which is not where you want to be. Not where you want to be. You'd rather be top 10 in everything or top 5 in everything. Obviously, it's impossible. But um, kind of earlier we were talking about, like, is this team actually good or what? You know, this year, clutch defense – they're dead last in opponent field goal percentage and dead last in opponent three-point percentage, and yet they're still winning all these clutch games. And now a lot of that was earlier in the year. Uh, since the trade, for example, they're like 12th, I think, in clutch defensive rating. So it's not like this has been a steady thing, but... Well, you can name the games, right? It's uh, Chemezi Metu, it's Russell Westbrook, <laughs> then Austin Reeves, and the Lakers game here. Mm-hmm. Knocking down threes, right? Didn't Orlando Dort. do something weird to us? Well, Luke, Luke oh, Dort, yeah. Orlando, yeah. Luke I mean, there's Thanks for reminding me of the games I was actually on the call. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> been moments, but basically this is all leading up to, I mean, you know, we've seen the defense be very good with KP on the floor. We've seen the defense have moments since the trade. We know the offense is awesome. We've spent an hour talking about Denwitty and Luka and everything. Is the defense post-trade going into the playoffs up to snuff, up to your liking, is it a, is it is it is it bad enough to cost them? Is it good enough to where it won't hurt them until they play Phoenix or whatever? Like, where is your opinion on the defense right now? I think they are maximizing their talent, and whether that's good enough to win in the playoffs, I think is to be seen. But I think without KP, they don't have an extra level they can go to on the defensive end, um, and I think teams are also starting to dare Dwight and Maxi at the rim more often because they're not afraid of KP. Um, but I think they're on a string on defense. They don't blow a lot of assignments. They know their principles. They know where to be. They they don't give up points because guys are just blowing assignments and people are getting open layups. It's typically guys, either teams hitting lots of threes um, or large teams that can offense rebound like the Knicks, um, giving them a lots of problems. So that's why it's fortunate that they don't have to play any teams that have lots of size across the front court. Um, I think any team with size, even with Cleveland last night, if Cleveland had had most of their bigs, those are the teams that, that, tough. They, that really, really bother them. So as long as they don't have to play teams that have lots of size, I think they can defend and they can kind of smoke and mirror their way to um, playoff winning defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the. I mean, that is the question. How much of this is smoke and mirrors and how much of it is is real? And that slippage is real since the trade. Um and so you have to – I think they will play a tick better, somewhere in between what they were with the trade and what they are now in the playoffs just because of the intensity and, and, and playing harder. 
uh, and being locked in and having the same opponent over and over again so they can get used to those schemes. But then the offensive, you know, they've got to balance it with the increased offense. And so I think, um, you know, it is what it is. I, I think that it is, it's real. The improvement's real. I just don't think it's top five, but I don't think it's 15 either. So it's kind of, you know, it's somewhere in between. But I think it's, it's good enough for them to do what they need to do, at least in the first round, and I think compete in the second round. I think they have a championship-caliber scheme. They have championship-level buy-in and just give a crap defensively, which goes a long way. Championship-level vibes. you got a couple guys in the wing that could probably be the best defender on a team, Dorian and Reggie. The trick is the rest, right? And what they've done this season that is kind of like the unspoken handoff and agreement is that I want to get the defense to a level to where I can play Jalen and Luca together, where I can play Jalen and Spencer or Luca. Was not always the case. No, no. And I mean, playoffs are about to start. We're about to see that experiment again of can they roll out Luca and Jalen for extended minutes together and get away with it defensively. They've done it for 77 games thus far. Playoff start, it's a different story. And Dimwitty and Finney Smith and Powell, which means you only have one of your elite defenders out there, mm-hmm. right, which is Finney Smith, so you don't have Bullock. And so it's it's knowing, you know, how can you play when obviously you know all of your weaknesses are exposed in the playoff. They're mm-hmm. going to attack your absolute weakness. They're going to go to Brunson on the pick and roll every mm-hmm. single time down the floor. And so, can, yeah, can you withstand that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if a team can figure out a way to – consistently put Luca and Jalen's guys, right, that they're defending in actions together. Like, uh, well, we've done a good job of, okay, Luca, you just guard this corner, this possession. Like, hide over here. Like, sometimes I ask you, I'm like, are they playing zone? <laughs> and no, you're just gonna... <laughs> Luca's just guarding this area. And I'm yeah, like, oh, okay, He straight cool. up just, just hang out. Yeah. He just, like, hangs out in, in a spot. And I'm like, cool, that's fine, because his offense is obviously going to offset whatever's going on at that end. Yeah, but, but when it doesn't work, he's like the Mr. Krabs thing, where, like, everything is spinning around him, and <laughs> yeah. he's just like, Ugh. Yeah, just, am I tagging? Am I not? Like, am I, he just, <laughs> just, yeah. But that's, that's the unspoken agreement is I got to get their defense and the effort and the buy-in from everyone to a level to where I can play Jalen and Luka together. Does the playoffs change that? Does it turn into, uh uh-oh, Jalen can only play 20 minutes now, or they figure they've cracked that code on us. So um, I don't remember the question, but that's that's a big worry. Is the defense (laughs) decent enough for you or good enough? Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. Um, Final 10 days of the year. We're recording this before they play Washington. You're probably listening to this whenever they're about to play the Wizards. Maybe they'll win that game. Maybe they won't. They need to win two more to get to 50. If they win three more, they will win home court. And if they win four more, they're probably going to be the three seed. And so down the stretch, there's a lot riding on these games. Uh, What are you thinking about down the stretch other than just, please, God, do not sprain any ankles? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's... Pretty off. I think Maxi has to get his jumper going. I think whatever you can do to get him in a rhythm, whatever spiritual thing he needs to go. I think his his slump is so far above basketball now. I'm like, whatever you got to do, if you got to start him, if you got to play him the whole first quarter, whatever you need to do, just get him going. Because I think I saw a tweet yesterday about his star charts. I swear to God, <laughs> I swear to God, people are resorting to all sorts of stuff. If you got to do a tarot card reading for him, like whatever needs to be done that he so he can get on track. I think that's the most important thing because if his jumper is going if he's can knock down two four threes every single game 
then they're going to be very hard to guard and mm. they're going to be very difficult to play against. And so I think that is the number one thing. Number two, I also, and I think it's starting to happen, I think getting Josh Green going in, getting him more minutes, cause I think he's also going to have to play some in the playoffs and going to have to go in there and guard, especially if they play at Utah. I think he's their best defender on Donovan Mitchell. He's the one who can really keep up with him as a small guard. And so just making sure that he's comfortable. I think he's gotten a lot more comfortable as the season's gone along, but I think trying to find more minutes for him so that he feels comfortable going in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they should go 6-1, and one. let's just be honest. Milwaukee is their only really difficult game of any team that's in the top six in either conference. Um, and that's a pseudo back-to-back noon. That's a tough game. Yeah, that, that's mm-hmm. a tough one. And if they lose that, I'm not, I'm not crying over that. But they should beat Washington. And I think that, uh, you know, Luke is going to have a little something extra in his, you know, back pocket for that game emotionally. And, and KP is going to try to do the same on his end. But after that, you've got Detroit, and then you've got a Portland team that has no desire to win, and San Antonio, who might be playing for something at the end, but you should be able you to see how they lost last night. I did not. They were down one against Memphis, had a layup at the buzzer, rimmed out. Oh, oh. No. Keldon Johnson just reversed right there, just missed. Sucks. So, um, I think they should do whatever they can do to get. Sorry, it sucks that he missed it. I'm sorry. <laughs> he is very good. I mean, it sucks. <laughs> it's a sucky way to lose. I'm sorry. I just want to clarify that. Yes. Um, I think they should do whatever they can to get the three seed. And I think that you might still see. See strategic rest going mm-hmm. forward for key players, including Luca, if they can, like in the Detroit game, things like that. And I think that's a good thing when you look at how guys are just falling. You know, Chris Paul just came back. Steph Curry's out. Jaws out. Uh, we saw Gobert, Gobert out for a game. Robert Williams just went out for Boston. So I do think it's still worth it, even with a week off in between the regular season and the playoffs, to to get guys from strategic rest and be at full throttle come playoff time. I think the only question that you're yet to answer is who's your break glass in case of emergency big, you know? Like, is that Chris? Is that Bertans? Is it Boban? For like 10 minutes, if somebody's gotten Dwight in foul trouble or, you know, whatever the case may be. But the Maxi thing is that's, he's got to be right. You got to be able to play him. You got to be able to roll him out there for 15, 20 minutes a night, whatever, whenever you need him, and have trust that you're not playing shorthanded offensively. But the the one thing we haven't figured out quite yet since the trade is, okay, is Marquis Chris our guy? Is it Boban? Is Bertans playing? You know, the four or five for stretches, and that's what's going to be. Someone's going to make you answer that question during the playoffs, at least for one game. I think that I, th- I think it is an emergency though because mm-hmm. I, from what I'm kind of gathering, I think it's going to be an eight-man rotation. I think it's mm-hmm. going to be pretty tight, and so uh, we're not going to see a lot of the, you know, Trey Burks and Nilakinas and Browns and mm-hmm. Chris's. They're they're just not going to get in there unless it's a situation where there's foul trouble or mm-hmm. injuries or break emergency or something like that. I think it's going to be, you know, Dimwitty, Maxi, and. Uh, uh, who am I missing? Josh uh, Green and, and, and Green. That's, that's probably, it. Yeah, that's probably it. That's yeah. that's mm-hmm. your rotation. Yeah. No. I could maybe see Frank against Utah. Maybe, maybe because they have so many guards. But it, like if Utah plays, like maybe five, maybe if, some if Brandon they sit Knight. Gobert, sit Whiteside. Mm-hmm. Now that he's in there, I know mm-hmm. Jake Kidd really likes him, and you know we'll see. But I, I also think he's you know I think it's eight. I think it's eight people. Yeah. Really mm-hmm. do. Uh, two things I'll be watching. Number one, Luca. Has never played an 82-game season before. His rookie year, 
they sat him like mm-hmm. for a long time. <laughs> he he sat out like three four games because they were, you know, trying to um, do what Memphis and New Orleans did that year, and they came up just short by a tiebreaker. Um, and then he played the dirt game, and then that was it. So he played like one of their last final five or six games, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's playing. You know, he missed some time earlier this year, but he's he's going to go till game eighty two. Uh, and then number two, Dwight Powell has not missed a single game this year. He might go all 82, which is pretty cool. Dwight uh, Powell appreciation minute. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That dude's Can been incredible. This is the best season of his career at this age coming off of, you know, an Achilles or, you know, a season removed. But, you know, you And he looked bad. I mean, last year was not good for him. Yeah. Not yeah. good You never him. know how that goes at that age. It could yeah. be – that could be it. That could be, hey, bud, you just don't got what made you special anymore. Uh, and it sucks, and it's happened to a lot of guys, and they just never come back the same. But – He's having the best season of his career right now. And he's one of those dudes where it's like he's so smart and so, so good at his role and is completely fine with doing all the dirty work and setting the dirty screens and just like he's one of those dudes where I almost wish he was like a couple of years younger because you, he's, one, he's one of those guys in the league where it's your, your mental and your understanding of the game and the capability of what you can do like never syncs up perfectly with your athleticism mm-hmm. and then they start you know swapping <laughs> it's like the jordan thing where he's like you never by the time your brain catches up basketball wise like your physicality and your ability to do the things on the court like goes away and right now he's at that perfect point and it's insane to see that you know whatever it is 18 months or something off of an achilles injury so i don't know dwight's been awesome and he's a huge reason why all this works right now like just Luca elevating fourth year, and then I don't. I think people took Dwight Powell for granted and didn't really think like think he was a plus like, player. But he's been a plus player the entire year. I think they did too. Yeah. Since January first, since Luca came back from COVID and injury, when he and Dwight are on the floor together, one seventeen point three offensive rating. Which and you is, can't uh, overestimate the vertical game and how what that means to this team. And not playing, they didn't have that last year. The Clippers mm-hmm. they were playing five out because KP was in the corner. Mm-hmm. And that's what they decided to do. And that is, you can just, that's a great regular season offense that can be stopped in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You saw what Luka did in the Olympics with Toby and loving having a vertical game. He tried it continuously with Boban in the playoffs last year, but Boban, you know, is not as effective in that. And, and just having that outlet and not just having guys on the outside, and now we have extraditional playmakers. Um, I, yeah, it's, it's essential to what they're mm-hmm. doing. So we do know one thing. There are many things we don't know, but we do know the Mavs will not be playing the Clippers in the first round this year, which is awesome because yesterday Chopper and I were watching some videos from last year's playoff series, and it really mm. – Mike was there too. It really kind of ruined my day. Uh, really, really annoying to watch Kawhi just do whatever against, like, five defenders. Doesn't matter. Offhand had another great series. Oh, my God. Undefeated. Oh, Undefeated. Um but we're not going to do another podcast probably until right before game one because there's, what, nine or ten days left in the regular season. So you might not hear from us again until then. So prediction down the line. What are, is the Mavs seed? Who is their opponent? And what is the result of the series? Austin, go. They're going to be the three seed. They're going to be they're going to play the Jazz because the Jazz really hate themselves and they're going to drop a six. And they're going to beat the Jazz. I'm going to say in six because it's hard to play in Utah. Um but I think they'll play the Jazz in the first round, and they'll play the Grizzlies. In the se- Actually, you know what? They might not play the Grizzlies in the second round. Whoa! They, I, I, that Grizzlies Minnesota series—it's going to be a real series mm-hmm. for them. That's going to—that's going to be like those two teams. None of them have experience in the playoffs. 
they're both very talented. I actually think that's going to be a, a really good series. So I'm not even going to predict who they play in the second round, but I think they advance to the second round. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think it's a 3-6 with Utah, and they win in six. I think Utah, I, I can't see them coming out of this tailspin. Denver's winning enough to, to stay above them. I think we will get three because Golden State is, I don't think, going all out to win. I think they're happy just wherever they are and want to prioritize health. They tried like hell to win last night, and they didn't do it. I feel like yeah. that could almost take wind out of their sails, that they yeah. came so mm-hmm. close. You don't think the yeah. Jordan Poole half-court shot was the right move? <laughs> oh, yeah. that's a, fouling up three is a dangerous thing <laughs> to try because you might give up one of those, but you also might force them to try one of those. Right. Mm-hmm. Always foul up three, but yes, that, that, was, uh, that was definitely a brain fart <laughs> moment. I mean, obviously he was trying to do that, but you got to know that they're going to commit the foul. Um, so, yeah, and I think it's just hard to play there. So they are going to – it's going to be – They'll close it out on the road, huh? In, in game six, they'll they will be able to Just win like 2001. Use. Yes. Oh, man. That would be great symmetry. Dirk and mm-hmm. Luca get their first playoff series just winning put against Calvin the Jazz. Booth yeah, back in. Booth out there. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and 20, who's the Mavs' Calvin Booth? Is it Josh Ooh. Green? Yeah, Marquise Chris. Marquise Chris? Yeah. Marquise Chris, yeah, it's probably yeah. the closest. <laughs> what if it's like Frank somehow is just like out there? <laughs> like – all right, <laughs> Frank Nilakina, Mike. Uh, Fifty-one wins. I think they go three and two, or their final five, and don't really compete in the final game. That's the only reason I say three and two. So fifty-one wins, three seed Utah. I think they beat Utah in five. Wow. Like I think you win that first game, and they start f- throwing hands at each other. Like I think I think you just need to introduce like the element of chaos to to that team at this point and. You know, someone's not feeling right, and they miss game two, and they miss game three, and they're just, I don't know. I, I, will, I will take part in another team's implosion if you allow me to. If you allow me to be the person that hits detonate, I will do it. And then second round, like I said, this is the easiest path to a Western Conference Finals Luka might have in his first... 10 years in the league, probably. I was thinking about that last night. It's not, and I hate getting ahead of myself, but it is not crazy to envision this team in the Western Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would be mighty tough. It would be mighty tough, but it is, it is possible. It's there. Would you be disappointed if it, if it did not happen? I get that's a very unfair question. To I, ask. I'm Would disappointed, you be disappointed if they, if they West, didn't go to the conference Western finals? Conference Finals. No, no. no. <laughs> first round, they have to win the first round series, yeah. or else yeah. this season's a failure. Period. Yeah. Anything after that, yeah, cherry on top. Basically. As long as you're super competitive in the second round, like just don't get swept. And, and if they're playing Memphis or they're playing Minnesota, I think that's a seven game series, almost guaranteed, because we've seen those two teams play each but other. But I'm not scared of either of those teams. No, yeah. absolutely not. Absolutely not. Minnesota's kind of scary because Towns is that dude, and those guys get confident. They but. do, but they get confident against weak teams. Mm-hmm. And, and now that they've played tougher competition, they, they've started – and I think their swagger's fake. You know, Cat's not that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, Beverly is swagger slash crazy. Um, you we know. saw last – I mean, they're up 15 on Toronto, and then Toronto hits them with a little run, and, yeah. you know, they lose mm-hmm. by 25. So yeah. it, that is – that could play a role in a playoff series – um, I will predict – it feels like the Mavs and the Jazz are on a collision course. I don't know if it's going to be 3-6 or 4-5, but it feels like it will be Mavs-Jazz, and I, I think the Mavs will win that series, possibly in five games. You have to, you have, to have home court. They're mm-hmm. very close to clinching. I think their magic number for home court is, what, two, I believe? Um, I think it's two, maybe three. I'm not sure. They'll win three more games. So they will have home court, which is very good, because if you go up 
if you go up 1-0 on Utah, if you go up 2-0 on Denver or Utah, you're feeling very good. And if you are playing at home, that will most likely be an Easter Sunday game because Stars play Saturday at 7. Ooh, that would be oh. fantastic. All right. All right, so, we got to get home because uh, the only my other sister's option getting be, married on April 16th, so I need that home game on a Sunday. Uh, so, yeah, the the only other option would be like a 1 o'clock game, which they always use for East Coast Saturday. So, yeah, it'll be Sunday, mm. Easter Sunday. Let's so go. Your, Come on. Get your Easter egg hunting out of the way. Just right. hopefully not a noon tip-off uh, because I my family goes pretty hard at weddings. i got big uh, plans for the uh, Hollywood, Santa Monica, uh, Lakewood Easter party. I don't know if you all have familiar with that oh it's like a goth easter party okay it's awesome there's like parade floats that's and like, on saturday sunday morning yeah okay yeah yeah it's, yeah. it's the spot right. to be i think it won't be noon they <laughs> yeah. noon's usually east coast usually game a bowl yeah. lounge on easter <laughs> do you think uh do you what what do you think is sexier for the nba world do you think mavs jazz because it would be spicy drama or mavs nuggets because it's like luka Jokic, the the european thing like what do you think is more has wider appeal? Our first round's on regional, right? It's on yeah. Valley. Yep. It's on Valley, but it's also on national. And I think, unfortunately, yeah. as much as I think Luca's a draw, but I think neither of those teams are national draws on the other side. Not yeah. even Jokic. Not even MVP. Not even. They can't watch him play in Denver. Are so we going to be the NBA yeah. TV series? <laughs> I don't. Oh no! I feel like no because of Luca. Yeah, I don't I think, think they're going to. Luca's enough to not, but maybe one. That Memphis-Minnesota series might be the NBA. Team. Yeah, that's yeah, definitely. Be, yeah, that's honestly, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely. What if? But, uh, we, hey, but regardless, we'll be on Valley Sports for every game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We will be on Valley, and that's what matters. What about, uh, man, Memphis Clippers? Like, mm-hmm. That'd if be Kawhi fun. comes back, I'm gonna be so. I'm gonna be so mad. <laughs> He's not coming back. Right? He's not coming. I, I, I've we, not heard any indication. If we see Kawhi back. in the second round, I'm gonna be so upset. I'll be very. I'll be big mad if we play. I'll Kawhi. be so mm-hmm. upset. If it's just Paul George, I'd be annoyed. Because it's more Reggie Jackson, but I think the Mavs could do. It. But I, Clipper, Clippers against Memphis. I'm not. I wouldn't be so sure. Worry about that. So about that. When it gets here, <laughs> it's enough to worry about, about. We're about to be a 50 win team. Think about how down we were. I don't know. December 5th. Luca's not playing great. Dude, December 31st. Yeah. Well, that's. I mean, well, they, whenever the COVID started hitting, yeah. he got hurt. He was out of shape. Yeah, beginning Charlie of the Brown season. Christmas. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Charlie Brown Christmas. Man, think of, think of where we were four months ago. December 29th, I, uh, I called my second game ever, which was that net to Sacramento game. Mm-hmm. And uh, you would think Followell would kind of teach me the ropes, but he just threw me out there. And so he hits the game winner, and Followell just kind of sits there. And I know that after a, win, after a, a shot you make – you lay out. Mm. Well, this was a shot we lost, and I'm like, "What do I do? Like, should I say something?" <laughs> and he ah, ne- he didn't look at me. He didn't like do this. Oh, he didn't like. Yeah. It was nothing. It was just he. Did, and I'm like, okay, maybe you lay out after these two, and then after like ten seconds, I was like, so that wasn't ideal, and you know, that, <laughs> less than ideal outcome. Yeah. So I was like, oh, so that was that was very nerve wracking. That's funny. Yeah. met in the playoffs. We have come a long way, though, Mike. Dude, 50 wins, you know what that means to all of us. Like, I, I think about that dude. Think about 41 and what he did for, you know, 20 years here. Like, I think Vegas line was like 42 or something. Yeah, I mean, it, was. it was. That felt easy. Mm-hmm. That, not that we can bet tip or gamble. <laughs> I'm, or I'm mad that I didn't fix. bet that. I should have bet that. That was, that was an easy over. But I think even when we talked pregame, preseason, it was, yeah. you know, 
four or five. We yeah. were kind of in that yeah. area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you wanted to host, you were optimistic to host a playoff series. Yeah. You were going to be in the four or five matchup. If people stay healthy, people didn't really stay healthy. Luca didn't really live up to his barg the bargain uh, the first month of the season. And, you know. Yeah, what are we? So what is the, uh, we're 33 and 11. What is it now since? 32 and 11. Yeah. Since. Uh, Damn. Since Chemezi Metu. That was a rough night, by the way. Rough That's night on the internet. This season, too, I mean, would you have thought the Mavs would be, you know, probably going to win 50 games? Luca missed, like, almost 20. Mm-hmm. I mean, when all is said and done, he might miss, like, he, I think he's missed 17 right now. Could you imagine Luca missing 20 games and them still mm-hmm. winning 50? Like, not in a million years. I'll, I'll give my disclaimer that I always – I'll give it again whenever the playoff series starts, but enjoy this. Enjoy this before expectations become so crippling with this guy that every playoff win just feels like a relief. And it's not like, you know, let's go have a beer. It's like, thank God he's as good as we thought he was, you know, like we did with Dirk for years. Well, that's the thing about this is that there is pressure on the Mavs. Mm-hmm. They, they have to win this series. But and he's not LaFraud or LaMickey if they get bounced in the conference finals. <laughs> you know, right. Like. <laughs> but it's, it's, you know, they have to get that monkey off their back. And, and I wonder if some of that pressure will play in at some level. Good news is it's a different coaching staff, different yep. front office, some different mm-hmm. players. But, and, and Luke is a warrior, and it's not going to let that get him down. But, you know, if that series does get tight, I wonder if that does play in somehow. Because, they're, I mean, that's, they have to get past him. I think that's the benefit of playing the Jazz is that there's even more pressure right. on them, and mm-hmm. they are not tight. If, they, if that comes down to pressure and there's a game five and it's 2-2, I trust that Maverick locker room much more than I trust that Jazz locker room. Mm-hmm. No. And if it's 2-0, I don't think it goes to 2-2 like it did last year. Yeah. I think if the, yeah. if the Mavs get ahead in a series this year, I think they... So you mean if we're up 20 in the middle of the first quarter of game three... Luka finishes the first quarter. Okay. That's I just want to make sure. We're not going to pull take. them out. All right, all right. That's my hot take. And if you're winning in game six with the ball oh. after a turnover... You're going to take the ball out of bounds, go down and score. Don't call timeout? You're not calling okay. timeout. Just mm. making sure. You're not calling timeout. Mm. We revisited that yesterday, too. Very, very, just down horrendously. Seems like y'all are saying a lot without saying a lot. I'll say it. Well, I'll say it out loud. Those are just suggestions. <laughs> I'll okay. say it out loud. Luca plays all 12 minutes okay. in, the, in the first quarter. And okay. I don't care what the score is. You could be up 90. You could have five okay. fouls. He's playing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. God, that was so all much right. fun. And it will be... Uh, it'll be fun again, and it's probably going to be game one at home, and it's been a long time. It has been, in fact, it has been since <laughs> the first round of 2011 yep. that game one has been at home. Yep. Uh, they've started every other series that they've ever played since then on the road, and that is going to be mighty fine to be able to maybe go up 1-0 at home. Um, 11 years, man. It's been a long time. And that was only one series, too, remember? Mm-hmm. Remember? Oh, well, no, it no, was Western Conference Finals. It was right, yeah, yeah, Western Conference Finals, too. My bad. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. All right. Uh, comment section, let me know how dumb you think I am. Uh, any final words, any parting thoughts, any final things you want to plug or promote or look forward to before uh, I wrap up? And I'll plug Steph's work, just in general. Nothing about the team. Just, just Steph? Yeah. Good job, Steph. Just Steph is Steph. just off mic, along with Chopper mm-hmm. and Katya. Mm-hmm. I want to promote, uh, I've got a D Magazine article coming out on J-Kid next week. Look for that on uh, Strong Side. Uh, on your uh, D Magazine website. Uh, obviously, all the Bally Sports games. And obviously, take that with you Monday. Subscribe. We'll be right here in Studio 41 with Mark Followell. That is Monday 
afternoon, so it will be floating around the internet yeah. that night. Uh, no game that night. So it will be every week. It's not always on the same day, but every week we'll uh, we'll throw a pot up and and maybe some bonus ones depending on how the playoffs go. And uh, if either of us most likely have too much to say, we'll just pop another one on. Heck yeah! I don't have anything to promote, but actually, I want to promote your game day posters. Those are phenomenal. I look no, forward thanks. to those each and every. Oh, that Steph's work. That's Steph does half those. Yeah, we trade off every game. Those are phenomenal. If I can ever buy one, and let me know. Yeah. That's how much you got on you? I'll look at my wallet. <laughs> He's a millennial. He does not carry cash. Yeah, that's right. He does not carry cash. That's right, yeah. Uh, all right, the things I would like to promote. Again, twitch.tv slash Dallas Mavericks. We are live streaming stuff out of here. But this is not only a live streaming studio. We're producing stuff that's going on YouTube. We're making podcasts like this one, like Take That With You. So uh, just follow everything we do in here. This is Studio 41 presented by Chime, something that Chopper, who's just off camera, has built out, something that Katya, who's just off camera, is helping create some programming for. And so we're going to be doing stuff in here every day between now and the end of the regular season and then into the playoffs as well. And then once the off season happens, which hopefully won't start for the Mavs until sometime around mid-June, we'll be getting you ready for the draft for free agency for summer league and then oh my god it's already august and then oh my god basketball starts pretty much again uh, a couple weeks after that so never stops it's gonna be very fun so thank you for being with us on this journey so far and hope to see you around or hope you see us around i guess uh, at a time uh i'm bobby he's austin he's brian he's mike this is studio 41 present my chime this is the ceiling is the roof you can stop talking. And I'm going to stop talking now. terrible on TV where you have like a 30-second <laughs> card out. Rap, rap, rap. Throw the rake, throw the rake, throw the rake. And then the, the, the play. All right, goodbye. Yeah. <laughs>